So, so today's a celebration, an Easter celebration. We're going to shout, He is risen, when we let the balloons go. And for us as a church, it's a celebration as well. We're, we're celebrating nine years. This is our birthday party. Can you say nine years and give us a big hand? Nine years as a church. So that's exciting. But it's more than that. It's the celebration of the life of Christ. And that's a big deal. Over two billion. I was trying to figure out how many people today are celebrating Easter. And estimates are somewhere between 2.2 and 2.6 billion people around the world are celebrating what we're celebrating here today. So it's a message deal. Now, the series that we're jumping into, and we're kicking off a message series. Here at Southridge, we do message series, which we do four or five weeks on the same topic. And we kind of zero in on some thoughts and ideas. And so this series is called Unbroken. And finding hope when you feel like giving up. A few months ago, uh, Jennifer and I, we went to, uh, on one of our hot dates, we go on a weekly hot date, many times it's to Menards and Lowe's and, you know, whatever. I mean, last, this Friday, we went to Outback and had a Bloomin' uh, Onion, isn't that what it is, a Bloomin' Onion? I think that's what it is, very salty, very good, very greasy, you know, kind of thing. And, and, and then we went over to Menards, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's it. But on this particular night, we, we went out broken, ate and went to the movie Unbroken. And so we went, and, I, and as I'm watching, how many of you have seen the movie Unbroken? Oh, a lot of you, a lot of you. The movie is based on a true story, and it was about a person that was lost at, at sea during World War II, uh, was in a raft and then got picked, I don't want to, you know, spoiler alert, you know, here, uh, you know, got picked up by the enemy and was in prison camp. And I mean, it's just a, a horrific story. But in the middle of this, you just get this overwhelming sense of hope. And as I was thinking about that story, I was thinking about us many times in life, that many of us, we are living broken, not unbroken. We're living without hope. We're living with, uh, it just isn't working that way, and we're hopeless. And I just notice that most of the time, and not everybody, but a lot of times I'm talking to younger people, especially today, and it just seems hopeless. What's the point? And so, so today, this series is a kickoff on that thought and that idea of this idea that there's hope that we can have in, in life. And so we're going to explore how to find hope when you don't feel, when you feel like giving up. So here, here's a question I have for you. Have you ever felt like giving up? Come on. Have you ever felt like giving up? <laughs> right? I mean, you know, it, it, just, it, it just felt like it was too late. It was too far gone. It just wasn't working the way it was supposed to. And I, I was trying to, I asked Jennifer this. I said, hey, can you think of the time in our lives where, where our old, I felt like giving up at a big level? And, and we talked about our, our daughter, one of our, our oldest daughter passed away at age 16. Man, I felt like giving up. But, but then I remember back to a time, and some of you hear, have heard me tell this story, but it's such a powerful moment for me because I wanted to quit. And, and it was when I was in the, our first church plant. We did a church plant in North Omaha and in the hood, you know, crack addicts and drug addicts and love, love the people up there and what God was doing. And so we were there, and we were building a building, a warehouse that was similar to this, and, and I didn't have a lot of help. I mean, I wasn't smart enough to get help. That's the truth. And so people were in there, and, and, and we had, I mean, people, there wasn't a lot of people helping, and I'm, I'm building out, and I was in a square foot of space by myself, steel studs, and, and I'm working 12-hour days, and I'm doing four days a week doing the building, and I'm doing two days a week doing the church, and I'm exhausted. 
And I remember doing this and thinking, this thing's never going to end. It was supposed to take three or four months, and now it's taking six to eight months. I mean, I'm just busting my tail. It's not working. And I remember one day in the corner of one of the back rooms, steel studs, long ways from being completed, sitting in the corner and bawling like a baby because I wanted to quit. I mean, it was just, I, did, I didn't want to do it anymore. I was like, I'm done with this. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. It's too hard. It's too difficult. It's out of control. It's hopeless. And I remember crying in that corner and just saying, God, somehow, some way. Almost immediately, not right that moment, but within that week, I had a phone call from a construction friend of mine. And he called me up and said, hey, how's that building project going? I said, not too good. <laughs> I'm exhausted. I, I, don't, I want to quit. And he said, well, you know what? I, I've been praying about it, and I just think that the Lord's speaking to me about helping you. And so I want to bring my team down and just kind of help you out a little bit. I was like, okay. You know, I'm thinking like it'd be normal, you know, show up on Saturday, four or five guys, work four hours, and then they're out of there. But instead, he showed up on morning, Monday morning with 12 guys. I'm thinking, wow. 12 guys. Man, they were rocking. I mean, things were happening. I mean, walls were flying, and then they started buying stuff. I'm like, wait a minute, I don't know if we could pay for that. I mean, he's buying stuff left and right. He's renting equipment. I'm thinking, dude, that's a lot of money. You know, and the whole week went by, 12 guys all week long. I'm like, wow, what's this going to cost us? Went to the next week. They came back. I mean, they were there again. It was two weeks. Three weeks of 12 guys being paid for all these materials. And I'm thinking, dude, we're going to get one huge bill. It went from being hopeless to now I'm in debt being hopeless. <laughs> right? And so I'm like, no way. And so I remember getting to that point where I had to have that conversa conversation, the one you hate to have. How much is this help going to cost me? <laughs> right? And I went to him and I, I said, hey, man, uh, I really appreciate this, but you know, we don't have like a lot of money. I mean, we're a small church trying to figure it out here. He goes, you know, I've been thinking about that too. Here's the bill. I'm like, oh, great. And so I'm going to open it up. I'm thinking it's going to be like, you know, 80, 100,000, you know, whatever. I mean, it's huge because they paid for all the, con all the materials. The whole three weeks they were there, they paid for everything. And I opened it up and there was just simple words across their letterhead from their company. Paid in full. And I bawled like a baby again. I summed up a baby again because I knew in my hopeless moment, God seen me and he knew what I needed. And see, some of you, you might have stories like that. It might be relational. It might be, you know, a loss of a family member, a job, whatever it might be. And you can kind of get that when you feel like giving up. And so we're going to talk about that. Here's our key text. Our key text for this series is Hebrews 10.23. So every week we're going to zero in on that. Hebrews 10.23, it says this in the New Living Translation. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. And what's the key there? key in that verse is consistently grasping the character of God. To somehow get a hold of not my circumstance, but the faithfulness of this God that is more than able to handle what I'm facing today. And so that's the scenario. So, so let's talk about that, you know, because life is full of dips and turns and twists and it's not easy. Let's try to figure out how to find hope when we feel like giving up. And one of the characteristics of those who truly succeed in life is actually hope. Not optimism, not wishful thinking, not maybe it's going to happen. I mean, we can be wishful about Nebraska basketball make it to the Final Four, right? We can be wishful, 
It's not really realistic, but we can be wishful, right? I mean, you can have those kind of thoughts. And so we're not talking about wishful thinking or optimism. We're talking about hope. And so how do you define hope? And take your handout notes if you want to fill in the blanks. It's a favorable or confident expectation of something good or better to come. It's an expectation. In a biblical perspective, it's a future perspective that's confident that no matter what the circumstances are, no matter how bad it might look, God will come through somehow. That's hope. And so, so what's, why is it such a big deal, though? Why is living with hope such a big deal? And, and the simple thought is living with help is, hope is no longer living. It's hopeless. It's hopeless. And so let me give you three things about living hopelessly. All right? Here's, here's the first one. Without hope, we live in despair. Without hope, we live in despair. And the reality is many of us live in a constant swirl of broken promises, broken dreams, broken families, broken marriages, and we never think any of it's going to get better. That's the reality for a lot of us in this room today. And as a result of that reality, the future looks bleak, and I don't want to give much effort to move forward. I, there's not a lot in me that says, hey, because it's this, I don't want to push forward. And we kind of have that give up kind of thing. And so when we live in despair, we're overcome with these feelings of abandonment. Nobody really knows my situation. Nobody knows what I'm going through. And there's isolation and there's abandonment and there's hopelessness again and again. It's despair. And so that's why it's a big deal that we figure this out. Here, here's another thought. Is without hope, we well drift. Life is lost at sea. We have no anchor. It's kind of like, oh, well, or it doesn't matter. Who cares? It does, you, just, you just have this idea that it just doesn't matter, so I'm not going to give it any effort, so you're not going to go for it. Or here's the last one. I think this is the biggest one. Is without hope, we easily give up. We give up. We just quit. We sit in the corner of the building, and we cry. <laughs> we sit in the building, in the situations of our life, and we just quit. We just lay over, and we quit. Some of us, that's how our marriages are, maybe. You just, you're in a marriage, you're married, but you've quit. Because it hasn't been the way you thought. Maybe, maybe you're a career, you're, you're in that, but you've quit. You're still working, you're still at the job, it's, you've quit. And there's something going on there that, that is without hope, we easily give up. We quit, we give up on our relationships, we give up on our marriages, we give up on our dreams, on ourselves, on others, and we give up way too soon. We need hope to cope. We need hope. And so we need this hope now because many of us are facing it right now. So I want to talk about how it's not too late. It's not too late. If I could give you one thing this morning, this Easter celebration morning, is it's not too late. No matter where you are, and I wish I knew every story in this room, but I don't. But it's not too late. It's not too late. But it's not. You might think it's too late. You might think it's gone too far. It's too bad. It's out of control. It's, but it's not too late. And so I want to talk about three different stories after Jesus' resurrection, because the resurrection is the promise of hope fulfilled. The resurrection story of Jesus, this Easter story, the reason why we're all here today, is really a promise that's been fulfilled regarding hope. That somehow all of us can have access to this great, amazing truth that it's not too late. And so Jesus revealed himself again and again to his followers, who, by the way, thought it was too late. Matter of fact, a lot of them bailed. Jesus died on, on Friday. They watched him be crucified. They watched him beaten. They watched all these things happen, and they walked away hopeless and defeated, thinking it's too late. Nothing good's going to happen. 
what we thought was going to happen. He was going to be our king, and he was going to be this and that, and it was going to be so great. It was going to be so awesome. It never happened in their minds, and they were thinking it was too late. So I want to look at three stories real quickly, three different people, Mary, Thomas, and Peter. Mary, Thomas, and Peter. So here's the first one. It's not too late for a miracle. It's not too late for a miracle. See, Jesus was the miracle maker, and he is the miracle maker. See, it wasn't just that he placed place for a little while while he walked on earth. He's actually still the same person, but now he sits in a place of authority next to the Father. That's what the scriptures tell us, with authority to still do the same miracles that he did on earth. Jesus was and is the miracle maker. Even death was not too late. Go back and read the story of Lazarus. Great story. Even death is not too late. And maybe you are today in an impossible situation. Maybe the circumstances of your life have knocked you down to the point where you feel like it's hopeless and you need a miracle. It's not too late. Here's, Here's what the story said. This is Mary Magdalene. Verse 11 of chapter 20 in John. It says, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she stooped and looked in. She was looking into the, to where they buried Jesus. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. I would have loved to see that picture. I mean, were they just like, man, are they going to get here or what? Man, this is taking a long time. I mean, just get that idea that here's these angels just chilling, just waiting for, okay. Jesus said, just hang out for a while. They'll be here, but I don't see anybody, you know. And so, so these angels are sitting there. And so she saw the two white robe angels, and they said to her, Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her, Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied. And I don't for a dead Jesus. They have put him. He, she was looking for a dead Jesus. She was looking for a dead Jesus. She was looking for the dead, beat up, hopeless situation Jesus. And they're like, What are you looking for? It goes on, and it says, it says, Dear woman, because they have taken my Lord, and I don't know where they have put him, she turned to leave and saw someone standing there. So now there's three plus her. It was Jesus. But notice what, she, what happened. But she didn't recognize him. She didn't recognize him. And in verse 15 it says, Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. What an insult. You know, here's Jesus, resurrected. Dude, where's your rake? <laughs> you know? Like, what are you doing here? This is a big moment. We don't need anybody doing gardening work right now, you know? She thought he was a gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, fess up to it. Tell me where you put him, and I will go get him. Looking for the dead Jesus. But verse 16, Mary, Jesus said, and immediately... She turned to him and cried out, Rabbani, which is in Hebrew, is teacher. There's a miracle that happened here. It wasn't too late. See, sometimes the miracle maker is right in front of us, and we don't recognize him because miracle focus on the pain or the loss of our own situation. That the miracle is right in front of us, but we don't see it. The miracle is right there, and we don't understand it because we're so focused on how much I'm hurting. And we miss the miracle. See, there, was, there were white-robed angels there. And this is what blows my mind. 
white-robed angels. This is probably not your normal situation. And she walks in, sees an angel, sees an angel, goes, where'd they put him? Wasn't impressed, didn't see it because she was so consumed by her pain. She didn't even notice that there was angels in the room. He didn't even notice Jesus when he first showed up. And then Jesus asked two important questions. He, he said, why are you crying? In other words, what's your pain today? What's your impossible situation? What are you focusing on that's covered up everything else? Then he says, who are you looking for? Because hopelessness often happens because we're looking in all the wrong places for hope. We're looking into a career or a person or the next deal or a relationship. And what Jesus is saying, hey, let your pain focus on me because I'm the miracle maker. I'm the miracle maker. So when did the miracle happen for Mary? When did it happen? When the stone rolled away, we look back, miracle. All of a sudden there was access. That was the miracle before she even showed up. If you actually look back a few verses later, the stone had already been rolled away. So she walks in going, what in the world's going on? That was a miracle that there was access. That's the miracle for you and I, that we have access to God. There was a miracle of the stone being rolled away. There's a cooler one, too, that's going on here. And that's the miracle of when Jesus called her name. Mary. And see, today, here's a miracle in this room. Right now, I think the same Lord, the same place, and the same hopelessness is calling each and every one of our names. Mike. Nancy. Kurt. Jeff. It's calling. Pat, Danny, he's calling. Stephanie, he's calling your name. It's the miracle. The miracle is the stone was rolled away and the access is there. But the miracle is that God is so interested in you that he calls your name. That you would recognize him. And he calls your name today. And so all that's happening in the midst of this story. And see... What happens many times is once we realize that it's Jesus, there is a collision that happens between the resurrection and our hopelessness. And that's when she realized she was not alone. She was not abandoned. She was still loved. And she realized that there was still hope. It wasn't too late. And so maybe you're facing impossible and you need a miracle. Jesus is the miracle. Let's look at the second person. That's Thomas. Doubting Thomas. I don't believe. It's not too late, though, to believe. That's the fill in the blank. It's not too late to believe. Many times, hopelessness and doubt go hand in hand. Doubt can do a couple things in us. It can drive us to seek out the truth, or it can drive us to conclude that our predetermined opinions are right and accurate, and we give up on seeking any truth at all. We already know the truth. I already got this figured out. Maybe that's you here today. You're here, man, I came for the Easter because she wanted me to, but I already got this figured out. I got this figured out. I know exactly what's going on. I know what he's doing. You know, this guy, man, all this. You got it all figured out. But see, it's not too late to believe. It's not too late for a miracle. It's not too late to believe. See, it it can drive us to seek out truth, or it can drive us to conclude that we already know what's going on. Check out the story of Thomas. John chapter 20, Jesus showing himself again, revealing himself. Verse 24, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. In other words, he missed one of the opportunities that he could have seen Jesus. Whatever, life happens. 
And they told the Lord, and you've seen the Lord, and you can get between the lines. If you read between, between the lines, it's like, we've seen the Lord, and you can almost hear Thomas go, yeah, right. <laughs> you've seen the Lord. You hear voices too? <laughs> right? God did this. You know, you're kind of, you, you almost hear that in him. Yeah, right. And it goes on, it says, but he replied, I won't believe unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand to the wound in his side. And eight days later, he kind of wrestled with that for a while. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them and the, and the doors were locked. And this is a great picture of what God does. The doors were locked. I locked all the doors, but I got it. I still got in. All the things were locked up tight. I, I got it all figured out and everything's all this. And, but it says the doors were locked. But suddenly as before, Jesus was standing among them. And he said, peace be with you. Two characteristics of God. Always pursuing and always bringing peace. Right in the midst of that. And he said, then, peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, he came looking right for Thomas. It's not too late to believe. Put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand in the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. It's not too late. Believe. Text right. Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. And then Jesus told him, and this is when it speaks of us, right here. We're in this text right here. You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. We have an opportunity. See, don't stay, what's Jesus saying? Don't stay at a distance and doubt. Come close, come close to me and check me out. See, sometimes we resist the very thing that could bring us hope. We already assume it won't work before we even give it a chance. We already bail out before we even get started. And see, Jesus is waiting today for you and I to believe. Here's 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise. God is active right now. Slow about his active right now. Right now in this place, the Lord is, is, is not being slow about his promise, some, as some people think. No, he is being patient. He's waiting for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. In other words, to come to the place where you finally say, Lord, you're right. You really are the Savior. You really are the King. You really are the Master. You really are the hope. You're really all those things. You really are. And so right now, God is being patient and merciful with each one of us. Mercy is not giving us what we deserve. Patience is waiting for us to respond. See, some of you today, you might have done life all the way up to in God's patience. And God is knocking. Don't be faithless. Believe. It's not too late. Don't, don't continue down that path that you've got it all figured out, but instead, just maybe, just maybe... Come close enough that you can see and sense and know that Jesus is exactly who he claims to be. The Lord, the Savior, the resurrected one. So what happens when you believe? We, we, we receive personal forgiveness. See, all of us in this room need forgiveness. Because all of us are broken. All of us are in that situation where we need God to restore something in us because of sin. And we get personally forgiven, freely loved and covered by Christ. And then slate is wiped clean. We get positioned to experience freedom. And we, we're given a place in the family of God to belong. We're given a purpose for living. All that happens when I believe. So it's not too late to believe. And here's the last one. It's not too late for a fresh start. 
It's not too late for a fresh start. Don't we all wish that at times we could wipe the slate clean and have a start over? Anybody? Start over? Do over? Mulligan? Oops. <laughs> right? I just want to be able to do this over. I mean, we all wish, man, I wish I could go back and do that day again. I wish I could say that differently. I wish I, wish I could do this and have this fresh start idea. See, it's not too late for a fresh start. See, many of us have blown it, and we know it. Some of us, and all of us, we've blown it. Maybe we don't yet know it. The reality is we've all blown it. We've all made mistakes. We've all failed. And see, the promise of the resurrection is the possibility of a fresh start. And many of us have had our share of failures. I bet we could write volumes of books based on the failures that are in this room. I mean, if we had the opportunity, man, we could, we could write story after story after story of failures. Relational failures. Moral failures. Financial failures. Very hard. You name it. We could write them. I don't even think we'd have to try very hard. Most of us can see it very easily. And so all this idea of failure and, and being a part of this idea that I need a fresh start, but it's not too late. See, we've all missed the mark of God. We've, we've made choices that were opposite of God's holy plan. But the resurrection of Jesus is the statement of God's will to restore us. So check out the last person, Peter. Peter. So we looked at Mary. She needed a miracle. Looked at Thomas. He needed to believe. Peter needed a fresh start. See, Peter was, was the first disciple called by Jesus. He was the first one. I mean, Jesus comes in, and it's the first person. I was the first one. He picked me and and Jesus followed, left his job, left his family, left everything, and traveled with him for three and a half years, seen miracle after miracle after miracle. I mean, Jesus and Peter. Man, Peter was right there. He was there at the transfiguration. I mean, it was crazy the things that he'd seen. When it came time for the crucifixion, Jesus, he said, hey, everybody else will leave you, not me. I'm in. And Jesus said these words to him. He says, you know what? By the time morning hits, you're going to deny me three times. Peter, no way. I'd never deny you. I'd never bail on you. I'd never fail you. And the story rolls forward and knows enough. He's publicly in a situation where he denies that he even knows Jesus three times. I don't even know that guy. You confused me with somebody else. I don't even know him. I disown him. I, I, I'm not connected to him. And he was bailing. And the moment he did it the third time, the rooster crowed, it says. And he realized, man, I just failed the Lord. I just failed the Lord. I mean, I had this incredible failure. Boy, I can't believe it. I did that. And you know what I was thinking about when he did this? And this is what rocked my world this week when I was thinking about it. Peter had his biggest failure on the night before Jesus died. I wish I would have. I've experienced death in my life. And I know what it means to say, boy, I wish I would have had this conversation. I know what it means to say, boy, I wish I would have maybe given one more hug. <laughs> wish we would have just sat down and talked about the good times, you know. Wish we would have did all this. But never would have ever thought, whoa, wow, I'm... On the last time I see this person before they die, I'm going to deny them. Before they die, I'm going to deny them. Boy, talk about failure. 
Talk about failure. Just this incredible sense of, wow, my whole life is summed up in this one moment that I had to acknowledge that Jesus was real, but I failed. I failed. It's not. You see, we all need to come to grips with our failures and let God resurrect us. It's not too late. See, failure can drive a wedge between us and Jesus. Like, I'm too bad. I can't do it anymore. I've blown it. I'm too far gone. I'm, it's too bad. Or failure can lead us to pursue restoration. Check out the story. Later on, Jesus catches up to Peter after the resurrection. Verse 20, chapter 21, verse 15 says, After breakfast, many of you didn't know that Jesus was a cook. He was a servant, but he was a cook too. He could do fish, fish fries, and bread, all that kind of stuff. He's good. And so after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He's talking about the food, the, all the things that were around him. Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. It's once. Then feed my lambs. Jesus told him, Jesus repeated then in verse 16 the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you too. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Verse 13, a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you love me? In spite of your failure, in spite of your stupidity, in spite of the moments that you had, do you love me? Peter, it says, was hurt. Jesus asked the third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. And there's two things that are happening here to finding a fresh start. Fresh start happens in the midst of two responses. One is I confess the lordship of Jesus over my life. Yes, Lord. In spite of everything I've done, in spite of everything I've been a part of, in spite of everything that I denied, in spite of everything else, yes, Lord. I love you. More than anything else, I love you. It's a confession. Yes, Lord. It's a fresh start confession. And the second part is a commitment to fulfill the purpose of heaven. Then I will feed your sheep. I'm yours, Lord. Do whatever you want to do in my life. Use me for your glory. Use me for your purpose. So as I close, I think it's interesting that the power of the resurrection could be so close to all these that we talked about, Mary, Thomas, and Peter, and they nearly missed it. Could that be what happens maybe here today? That so many of us could be so close to the resurrection of it's not too late and miss it, not recognize it, not believe it, not confess it, not confess it. That we would be that close and not see it. Mary was so focused on her loss and pain, she almost missed the miracle. Thomas was so filled with doubt, he almost missed the opportunity to believe. Peter was so filled with failure, he almost missed this opportunity for a fresh start. Lord, let it not be like that here today. So I've got this question. What about you on this Easter day? It's not too late. You need a miracle? It's not too late. You need to move from doubt to belief. It's not too late. You need a fresh start. It's not too late. Let's all bow our heads and as we close and bow in your eyes. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed before the Lord.
just going to ask three simple questions. And as you can say with yes to any of those, would you just raise your hand and say, I need a miracle. That's the first question. Would you just raise your hand if that's you? I need a miracle. Amen. Amen. Here's the second question. I need to believe. Raise your hand if that's you. I need to believe. I need to stop doubting and just believe. And the third one is I need a fresh start. Yeah, hands all over. Hands all over. Thank you. Lord, I pray that as you see the hands that are raised in this place today, that, Lord, there would be a confession that says, yes, Lord, I love you. I know all the things in the past have been the past, but today, Lord, I'm saying, yes, Lord, I love you. I'm yours. And I'm committing myself to your way. Lord, forgive me. Restore me, God. It's not too late for a miracle. It's not too late for me to believe. It's not too late for a fresh start. And so, Lord, I accept it. In Jesus' name.